0: I was the days undefeated. Crap, rabble, punch punching down, whatever it was. in. not a huge fan of me. I don't know where I was going. I looked like <laughs> I was running in the stand to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you. That's for sure.
1: Hello, Colorado Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is Monday, June 19th, 2023. Happy Juneteenth. Some X number of years ago that takes us back in the 1800s. uh, A bunch of people who were a bunch of black people who were enslaved in Texas found out about They are being made free a couple weeks earlier by Abraham Lincoln, and I think that's fantastic. The Colorado Rapids have not played a game since last we recorded. Uh, They are on international break, and for the first time in a while, Rabbi, it feels like the Rapids did not play during international break, while a handful of MLS teams did. Uh, The United States international team played two games under their second substitute teacher, winning both of them to win the CONCACAF Nations League. And joining me now to discuss the state of the Rapids heading into another difficult double game week and to meet the new boss, same as the old USMNT boss, Rabbi Mark Goodman.
0: It is Greg. He's back. Three Gs. That's uh, two Gs for the two times he's already been the head coach for the USMNT. If he ever gets fired and then rehired again, he'll earn that third G. Um, The other thing I was going to say is happy Juneteenth. Um, Point of order, Matt, although not a correction, just really kind of a annunciation, which is uh, that, of course, Juneteenth celebrates the day in which federal troops reached Galveston, Texas, to inform the last uh, enslaved black Americans that they were indeed free. It happened on June 19th, 1865, if I'm correct. So a holiday of freedom to start off the month of Tammuz in the Hebrew calendar. Um, by the way, every time There's a new Hebrew calendar month. It's also a new Chinese calendar month and a new um, Muslim calendar month because we are all on lunar calendar. I was about to guess
1: that, Rabbi, but thank you
0: for that little stat fact. Let's let's teach people about lots of things that don't involve Colorado Rapids soccer, because why would we want to talk about that on a Colorado Rapids podcast? Yes,
1: I apologize, listeners, for the brain fog. I might be a little off uh, this week on the podcast. I'm coming out of one of the worst migraines, Rabbi, that I've had, I'll say, since the start of COVID. So, effectively, I had fun, uh, effectively I effectively had fun outdoorsy day on Saturday, migraine day, and then barely surviving, watching the United States beat Canada dosa cero and then today was my proper Sunday, even though it is Monday, so, um, welcome to Adult Herd listeners, where occasionally your body decides to punt on you having a three-day weekend, or turns your regular two-day weekend into a one-day weekend, but, uh, Mark, I have to assume, uh, we have not spoken to you since, uh, Messi signed, or Messi reportedly came out and sang that he was going to sign in Major League Soccer. Um, How was the district with the kiddos? Uh,
0: The district was great. Uh, I have museum reviews. I have food reviews. I have all kinds of things. Sakura Ramen is a really good ramen joint. Um, It's in a basement in um, Adams Morgan, which is a really cool neighborhood. My kids went and saw the Pandas at the National Zoo, which I think is a bucket list item for me. I went to college in D.C. and never once went to the National Zoo because why, when you're 20 years old, would you go to a zoo? But with your kids, it's pretty cool. Um, we went to the African American Museum, which did not exist when I was in college. We also went to um, the National Archives so my kids could see the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. There was also a really excellent um, display there about American um, sports and archive items from American sports. They had the She Believes Cup kit that Megan Rapinoe gave to Sasha and Malia Obama in that space. So that was kind of cool. And then the African-American museum is unbelievable. It is six floors. We only did in two hours, we only did the first floor and the sixth floor. Um, And it was and a little bit of the third floor. It was unbelievable. It's a really um, inspiring museum. It's a really thoughtful museum. It's also, as a, as a very white American, um, to walk into a space that's almost hallowed ground for black Americans right before Juneteenth was really special. Um, my daughter, the uh, youngest child, uh, excuse me, turned to me uh, and kind of noted as we walked into the museum that like, they were, we were the only white people in a crowd of like 80 uh, African-American uh, slash black individuals. And that was really interesting. And I just kind of looked at them and said, you feel like some other people feel all their lives here in America, where they're a minority and, and, and we're a majority. And so that was just a really, it's very interesting to take in a museum on multiple levels, one on a history buff level. They have an Afrofuturism display where they have like a Black Panther costume and the mothership from Parliament Funkadelic and all that kind of stuff. And then also to just be, you know, in a space that is, you know, a place of Black pride was just a was a wonderful experience all around. I cannot, 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 and that is actually the main reason I went to DC for this trip. But uh, it was it was worth it and and then some. So great trip, Matt. uh, Anything interesting happening in Colorado other than um hail and rain and uh beautiful mountain mountain tops and uh the end of ski season at Arapaho Basin
1: uh, well ski season's over uh, June June 3rd June 4th whatever that Sunday was was a basins that day and they actually they got beat out mark there's a a small section of I think it's mammoth or no a small section of big bear that stayed open an extra week longer so we weren't even yeah. the, we weren't even the, we were the last mountain to stay open in Colorado couldn't claim to be the last skier based in um, uh, for the proper ski season in uh in North America, unfortunately. Trailheads are a little bit muddy, Mark, but you know, it was an it was a nice weekend to kind of unplug from some major soccer responsibilities. Obviously focusing on the national team always puts me from a last word standpoint in kind of a different headspace, which is good and re-energizing. So got out and had a nice hike obviously and then did some appropriate self-care that I needed to given what my Sunday unfortunately did not turn into. Mark, hopefully the Colorado Rapids have done a whole bunch of other self care because there is a new menace coming into the eastern conference so mark we'll touch on a few things uh since you were not on the pod last week is there anything that you want to say about the orlando game at all or are we is that far in our past now
0: it was really far in our past but also it was exactly what we've expected which is it's an it's a, the rapids look like an underpowered team um who lack creativity in the midfield who lack finishing in the final third and who um lack the ability to defend um, because they can't produce uh, effective offense. So they're just kind of backs to the wall all the time. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of that. And um, did we have a red card in that game? Am I, am I, remember miss there were two red cards oh, rabbi right there were two red
1: cards Brian galvan in the 39th minute for the little uh you know uh, kick to the forearm and the body of the orlando player and then lost Bubakar got a second yellow card for trying to give an orlando player a piggyback ride at midfield before the second goal
0: yeah i might have forgotten the second one uh for for traumatic for blocking it out reasons yeah that's right um yeah it was it was uh that was bad. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing is I think a lot of people would say we're not getting any calls from the referees, but we're not doing ourselves any favors either. Like, we're, we're putting ourselves in positions where, you know, yeah, the ref could have given a simple foul without a second yellow on Galvan, but, um, you know, like, if you, put, if you commit a foul after you already have a yellow, you're putting yourself in, in danger, and we're not getting any favors the rest of the season. We're chum. The referees know we're chum. And they don't they don't necessarily they're not necessarily going to make the game easier for us because we're bad. They're just going to look at guys. I think Lawless Abubakar is probably the best example, which is he kind of has a reputation both as a big physical guy, but also as a guy who occasionally makes brain fart tackles um, where the referees are just going to see almost anything he does and assume that it's a foul first and a tackle second. So he's got to be really careful. Um, it wouldn't be the case if we were in first place, I don't think. And I know that that's maybe unfair to referees who are supposed to be blind to, you know, game states or, you know, win-loss records. But the reality is, like,
1: there's no reason for anyone to give the Colorado Rapids a break for the rest of the season, and they're not going to. Mark, you and I both wrote, I think, pretty lengthy and pretty comprehensive uh, reactions to Lionel Messi when it came out, I guess. Yours was very good, Matt. I really liked it. Well done. Oh, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, I, I can't take full credit. Uh, the term trickle down messy nomics was a Warner's original term, and then I just co opted, what does that mean? And then, oh, yeah, that was, that was what me. are the valid questions to ask him on there. But, Mark, anything that you want to say on that for the pod for listeners who did not check it out, which you can find while listening to us at holdingthehighline.substack.com? Um, any other thoughts on Messi, Mark? I guess, other than the fact that he hasn't signed yet, and the longer he goes without signing, the more I'm kind of wondering is he just playing MLS? Don Garber to try and get $2 instead of one from Saudi Arabia?
0: Well, for me, I think there's a couple interesting wrinkles. One is the newest one from today, which is that Sergio Busquets is going to sign also. And then that opens up this whole other dimension with Inter Miami that goes back to their Blaise Matuidi, uh, Pizarro days where they got into trouble for uh, for, uh, having four DPs secretly when they were only supposed to have three. Um, and they eventually had to trade one guy up to Philadelphia and release another guy, and it was a whole mess. Um, They now need to make space in order to get Busquets. Um, Otherwise, it's going to be one of these LAFC has Gareth Bale on a TAM contract situations, which I still don't believe that LAFC haven't gotten in trouble for that because I don't believe for a second that Gareth Bale was on a TAM contract, but that's another matter. Anyways, point being, I'm almost as excited about Busquets in MLS as I am about uh, Messi, I just think that'll be really exciting. The one question that one has to ask if you have Messi and Busquets on the field at the same time is, is this going to be a defense optional team? Is this just, mean you know, basically, is this like the Showtime Lakers where it's like they've got to win 125 to 115 every night or they're never going to, you know, like they're not, if you're, if you're going to have Busquets out there, Um, I'm, I'm not going to say he's not able to defend anymore because I haven't watched him for the last couple of years, but I'm assuming that you've got a defensively offer cover behind him. And Messi also, um, I saw some metrics about him earlier, uh, when he was signed about the, the defensive work rate that he's not doing basically, which is, he's really not being asked to defend anymore. Um, so you've got Busquets and Messi on the field at the same time. You've basically got two 35 year old players who don't defend at all. That, that's difficult. That causes problems. So the reality, though, of course, is that you're not going to see Inter-Miami because you care whether they win or lose, and you're not expecting them to win MLS Cup because they've got Messi and Busquets. Um, you're going to see Messi and Busquets. But that being said, there is an expectation that they'll be good. And right now, they're terrible without those two guys. Adding those two guys will make them better, but it won't solve some of their underlying problems with defense, which is really an interesting problem. That being said, I think the other thing about trickle down Messi-nomics that was really interesting was seeing um, the immediate reaction on the internet after forty eight hours after a Messi gets signed, of people just snapping up Inter Miami tickets and League's Cup tickets, assuming that he would debut in one of those matches. Um, and, and my personal favorite, though, was that uh, you know I we were in the in the thick of the U.S. Open Cup, and it was the day after the um, Riverhounds got knocked out, and Birmingham was playing against Messi's inter miami and the and the concept that next year at this time Messi might be sitting on the bench here in pittsburgh for a clash with the the pittsburgh riverhounds tickles me pink you know considering how how close you have to sit in interviews um here in pittsburgh than that i was like four feet away from wilfred Nancy the other day um covid protocols are very very done here in pittsburgh um the idea that if we interview Messi, it'll have to be like in a tiny room with plates of chicken being served in the back um, and, you know, eight reporters uh, in, a, in basically a bomb shelter st- style situation uh, tickles me to no end. That being said, I I don't think based on the news today that uh, the U.S. Open Cup will be something that Messi will be featuring in next year. And there are even questions based on some of the statements that came out on, uh, on in the Athletic today from... Bob Foose, the MLSPA um, executive director of president um, about whether
1: MLS is even committed to
0: U.S. Open Cup going forward. But that is another topic altogether. Let's move on.
1: Mark, I think you're crazy if you think that Uh, that the u.s open cup is going to allow for these random draws to end up in miami getting a bunch of road games next year in the open cup but I, i i do think rabbi given that uh i think we can agree that inter miami with Messi will remove them from the wooden spoon conversation which they're very clearly in if i look at the conference standings inter miami are bottom of the eastern conference 15 points off of 17 games played but i do think probably the best chance that Messi has of winning a trophy is going to be this Open Cup, which in theory he should be available for selection and physically in Miami and training by the time that semifinal comes around. With that, um, Mark, let's just touch briefly on the United States men's national team. I was on Last Word SC Radio last night with Edward Vento. If you want to hear our big therapy session on the state of the federation, the job search, and everything, uh, Mark. I, first of all, I'm glad that the US won the Nations League. I thought they were very clearly the best team over the course of the two games. I think this wins the To the extent there was a tiebreaker with Canada over who were the kings of CONCACAF, you're now talking about back-to-back Nations League championships. You're talking about winning the Gold Cup as well and then being the only team in CONCACAF to advance out of their group. There's fairly good... Evidence that who finishes at the top of the hexagonal or whatever we were calling that version of World Cup qualifying last year, which Canada did finish first in, is not necessarily a predictor of who is the most successful in the World Cup upon which they qualify for. But I think I feel now pretty confident in saying the U.S. is number one over Canada. In that regard, um, Alfonso Davies did not particularly look himself. I thought Joe Sally absolutely balled out in the moments where he was asked to. And in the semifinal against Mexico, Christian Pulisic was the best player on the field. And in the final against Canada, Gio Reyna was the best player on the field. Good for them. Good for BJ Callahan. We won a trophy. Hooray. Uh, And then... All of that kind of gets the—of all the times for it to leak, Mark, that the head coach has already been hired, like, to be 10 minutes into the first significant USA-Mexico game after a World Cup, like, can you just—could this not have waited for today? Could this not have waited for Wait, you can't have it today because then a bunch of— because uh, then black USMNT Twitter is going to come out saying that it's ruining um, that, or that it's potentially, you know, uh, d- disrupting the day that is T. Like, could it have not waited four days for Tuesday to happen? And also messing with Fallon uh, uh debut, which was
0: fantastic. That was probably the best part about it. I will say that I missed uh, about the first 15 minutes of the match because... I was watching Rapids 2. One could make an argument that I am a curse on Rapids 2 because this is either the first or the second game of the year that I've watched and they lost, um, and they lost badly. Adam uh, Beaudry got basically chipped twice uh, and conceded two um, questionable goals. The first one was probably not his fault. It was a spectacular shot. The second one was pretty much his fault. He was in no man's land. He should have charged. He didn't. Um, it, it, It leads to some questions not only about goalkeeping for the Rapids, but about the goalkeeping coaching. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with um, the Columbus Dispatch uh, beat reporter, who's no longer there anymore, um, about the way Columbus is coaching their goalkeepers. I forget the guy's name. It's like Schroot or something like that. Um, but their goalkeeper has basically been told, go full on Bayern uh, uh, Munich sweeper-keeper. um come out as far as you can you know charge the ball and I you know I think the Colorado Rapids um, have less of that and I, it's it's a it's a question that we should ask but anyways back to the US T um, very briefly um, yeah the the it, it was great to see the US men's national team um, put Mexico to the sword the inverse of that though of course is that Mexico l tree Twitter is freaking out and l tree is in the worst situation they've been in in I don't know two cycles I mean they're in really bad shape um, it feels to me like the generation of um, Giovanni Dos Santos and Carlos Vela and Memo Ochoa and um, Chicharito that all except for Memo have been kind of passed on and are no longer the the, the generation that, that is uh, with the El Tree. the new guys are just not the right
1: guys and the new coach is not the right coach and they're Really struggling. Diego Coca is already gone as well, yeah. Mark. So he got he got two games when the presumption was even coming out of that USA game that he had win the Gold Cup or he's bust as well. Like the that speaks to as dysfunctional as we think, listeners, that the U.S. Soccer Federation isn't everything. It is not the absolute disaster of a power vacuum and lack of structure and long-term thinking that is El Tree right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, but it, um. Yeah, the U.S. team looks looks great from a lot of positions. I mean, I think Jedi Robinson at left back is is a fun experiment. Although we're going to stand Sam Vines forever on this podcast. And by the way, Mazel Tov to Sam Vines who got engaged this past week. And of course, the announcing individual of it was um, Fleming himself because it's his daughter who's engaged to Sam Vines, which is just a lovely thing to see. Um, the, the love that comes from the Colorado Rapids, even in a time of struggle, it's a good thing. So, but we're rooting for Sam to get back into the, the picture for, for the USMNT. Um, there is a lot of depth at left back, though, so that's, that's always a challenge. But um, it was also noted that there was once a time when you could count on three or four Colorado Rapids players being called up to the US Men's National Team. And as of right now, there are none. So that's hard times for, for Rapids fans.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of the one bad thing you had, Mark, about Anthony Hudson taking that job in the Qatari Star League with a team that I can't remember the name of and won't attempt to pronounce was the thought you never that need to remember him again, hopefully. Yes, hopefully. He he can go there and he can stay there and uh and be there and win many Qatari championships. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, do not care. Completely ambivalent to that. I, I wish no ill will towards the individual, but You would have thought, you know, maybe if Sam Vines is coming out of rehab and he's like, hey, can I work my way into with preseason, he'd get us out for that. Maybe if Cole Bassett had had a healthy start to the season and not had that setback with the second hamstring injury in Charlotte that had him out for the better part of two months as well, and he had scored some goals, you would have seen really a possibility there. Mark, I think we can agree for Cole to be really in serious contention for this midfield, which uh, Musa in a further back defensive role looked absolutely fantastic. And then Brandon Aronson and Luca De La Torre were good in Weston McKenney's absence as well. If you're talking about him breaking into one of those roles, which isn't as one of the wingers, in which case, good luck trying to unsee Gio Reyna, Timothy Wea, or Christian Pulisic. Like, uh, Cole's going to have to be. I, I, I don't see how. I. I struggle, Mark, coming up with what he could do at the MLS level for the Rapids that isn't single handedly LeBroning them in the playoffs that he could do that would warrant consideration that doesn't also coincide with him getting a move back to Europe and then playing well in that European opportunity like all of his competition realistically is right now. Like if we're talking about the floor for what you want to be to just be on the national team right now is what Christian Roldan was for the Sounders in 2022, which earned him a spot at the World Cup, but then obviously no playing time as well. You're talking being one of the most critical players who can do a bunch of different things, who's goal dangerous on a team that's one of the best run teams in Major League Soccer. Colbassett is not that as a player right now. The Colorado Rapids are not what the Seattle Sounders are. Right now, Uh, whether or not that matters, I'm not sure, Mark, because, you know, Greg are coming back in. He probably could list you right now who's uh, assuming everybody's healthy, who's 17 of those guys who are going to be in that World Cup squad come 2026. I am done listeners criticizing Greg for who he is and the very uh, imperfect head coach he is and his various idiosyncrasies that uh, he did not change over the course of years with the national team that I'm not convinced he will change between now and And 2026, Mark, I'm I I had no trust in the process for the hiring procedure to get Greg Berhalter, because even if you bring in Matt Crocker, who's coming in, in theory, with fresh eyes, they have a whole analytics approach to it um, using ELO as a stat, which I still don't fully understand. But the people in the fancy stats community tell me that it. It is not directly correlated with the impact that a head coach has, and if you want to compare win percentage when you're playing mostly domestic games against mostly known and lesser CONCACAF competition, you are going to have a better winning percentage than, say, Jesse Marsh would be at a relegation-stricken Leeds United or certainly a Patrick Vieira at a middle-ish table Crystal Palace team that had a rough patch. Uh, before his departure from that club over there in South London. So I so I, I don't have trust in the process, but any anger or frustration I have in due to the idiosyncrasies of having Greg Burhalter back for a second um World Cup qualifying World Cup cycle will be thrust at the Federation. I do think there are very real questions, regardless of what he learned from coaching in the World Cup and it's going to be better. He has some things to mend from a coaching standpoint with several of his players i still think john brooks is at a point where he should be in the conversation to have some role in this world cup qualification cycle though he will be on the older side of things um come 2026 so if he wants to unseat a what then will be i think like 40 41 year old tim Ream. that would be fine with me and but the the big Obvious reason, Mark, regardless of the merits of it or whether or not Greg Burhalter deserved it for not bringing him back, was then you don't have the cloud and the spectacle and the circus that will be Gio Reyna's involvement in the team and potentially the Reyna family being around as parents of and a family of a potential starter for the senior men's national team being around and creating all that drama or the perception and the gossip around that drama, even if in secretly, like, they have a very smooth succession plan or are actually on good terms and everything. That was the excuse to not bring Greg back. If the rumors that were had about potentially him looking at European opportunities or getting the head coaching opportunity at Club America, like it's not like you were doing a guy a favor who wasn't gonna get a job opportunity. Mark if if Robin Frazier is fired right now, I would immediately and Greg Brohalter was not interviewed in the process, I would straight up ask Borg Smith, like, did you not reach out to Greg or to any of his representation about coming back to MLS? But Mark, your thoughts on Triple G coming back and whether or not this is stymieing any of your excitement about the 2026 World Cup and how much of that is maybe on Greg as opposed to other entities that are responsible for the hot mess that is the United States men's national team?
0: No, I, I I'm excited for him returning. I have no beef with him. I think he's very he's a fine um, coach. I think the the one challenge that I have uh, with the whole process was that I'm not sure that there were a lot of good options out there for um, head coach. I'm I'm not sure that the USMNT is um, really set up uh, was was set up to come up with with alternatives. You know, I, I was telling Iggy this the other day, uh, my eldest child that. Um, you know, the top echelon of coaches in the world generally don't go for national team. You know, they're they're really looking for those really expensive, high paying jobs with Barcelona and uh, Madrid and Bayern Munich and so on. So the Thomas Tuchel's of the world, the Jose Mourinho's, although I wouldn't want Jose Mourinho to coach the U.S. men's national team, the Tata uh, Martino's um the Pep Guardiolas, like they're not coming to the USMNT, so you're already kind of looking at a different category of guy. You're looking at guys like Bob Bradley who've already been with the team. Um, you're looking at top end uh, MLS coaches. I liked the Patrick Vieira call. I thought that was interesting. I didn't really see it. Um, I actually don't think I like Patrick Vieira as a as a guy. I like him as a coach. I don't really know that he has. My my understanding of Patrick Vieira is that his in-game uh, and man management stuff is very good, and game-to-game management stuff is good. But his talent identification, I'm not really sure it's there. So I mean, we will never. That's not a thing that we know. But that wasn't a, a function of him. Um, I just have one other question for you, Matt. That's semi-related to this, but not related to Greg. Uh, which is, yeah, I looked at the lineup for the game. And I looked down the list, and there were a couple names where I was, like, unfamiliar with, but I understood why they were there, like Zendejas, why he was in there. And then there was a guy on the roster, and I was like, who the ever-living F is that, and why is he here? Drake Calendar? What is third-string goalkeeper Drake Calendar doing here? I mean, in theory, I get the idea that you want to give a guy a cap so that maybe, you know, he... He's excited about the possibility of someday growing into the USMNT. But like, honestly, Matt, I had never heard of Drake Calendar until this game. And then I had to look up and be like, oh, he's the sometime starting goalkeeper for Inter-Miami, who I'd never heard of um, because I don't watch Inter-Miami games. Did am I off my rocker? Am I an idiot like? Did you know who Drake Calendar was? Am I a bad USMNT fan for not predicting that this guy was going to be in the, in the lineup?
1: Nope. I had no idea either. <laughs> but fine. It's fine. It's
0: fine. No big deal.
1: Uh, Mark, I'm just seeing now uh, Peter O'Rourke, who writes for... I'm going to get his outlet correctly here before I send this tweet. Um, Peter O'Rourke. So, at sports, Pete Um... He's a transfer correspondent for Footy Insider 24-7, Mark, and he's saying that Leicester City is looking at a bunch of potential replacements for their players. Harvey Barnes, extremely unlikely to go down with them at the championship, and is saying that one of the potential players they're eyeing is American International and current Colorado Rapid, Jonathan Lewis. That makes sense. I mean, I think, I mean, you, you, know. you, you think Lewis could play in the championship right now, Mark? Yeah, he's fine.
0: I mean, I think the I think the championship is almost considered a one-to-one with MLS or slightly below, but like, you know, the, the the promise of Johnny Lewis is the promise of Johnny Lewis forever. It's the same promise that we, you know, picked up when we got him from, did we get him from Philly or from New York City FC? NYC FC. Yeah. Which is, his pace is unbelievable. His one-on-one take-on skills are fantastic. Um his finishing product is not so great and his ability to do anything other than shoot the ball um, as a choice is questionable. He, he, he's a shoot first, ask questions later guy. But the idea that the right coach can get this young man to suddenly pass the ball a little bit more, cross the ball a little bit more, um, have a little bit better vision um, and use his, his raw physical talent for good. It's always been there, man. I mean, the idea the idea is that like the right coach can mold this young man, Matthew. Um, And and I think that the other thing is that I think the Rapids are uh, definitely at this phase of the game, a in the reconstruction mode and in the selling mode. So any Val, you know, Rapids fans are really going to be like the thing that I get on Rapids Twitter that, that sometimes annoys me is that folks are always saying, like, we need to get rid of player X. And whatever player X is, it's the guy who's performing the worst for the Colorado Rapids. We need to get rid of Gustavo Vallecilla. It's like Gustavo Vallecilla's value is zero right now. He's been a terrible center back. He has no value. We can't sell him for a million dollars in game. There's no no way that happens. But you can sell your valuable assets. So that's actually what you're looking at. You're looking at the players that people actually like and have been performing well for the Rapids. Those are the guys who are going to go. Not the guys who you you have real big questions about. So, I don't know. Johnny Lewis is, is, is underperforming, a little bit disappointing, but he's still got that potential and that shine on him. So, I see it. I think it's possible. You might be right, though. Championship might be a bit over his head.
1: Listeners, this coming Wednesday, June 21st, the Colorado Raps will be taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. And then this coming Saturday, June... 24th, the Colorado Rapids will be hosting L.A. Galaxy, um, the only other team in the MLS Western Conference on 13 points. And in theory, the only team this week that they could jump in the standings in the Western Conference. Um, Mark, uh, the Rapids still since last recording are sitting in 14th bottom of the pile in the Western Conference, 13 points off of 18 games played. And they have a record of 2, 9, and 7, a goal difference of negative 13. And at the Richard this season, they are 0 4 and 4. Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, 8 in the Western Conference, so in a playoff spot, 22 points off of 17 games played, record of 5, 5, and 7, and a goal difference of plus 6. They're, they are winless on the road this season 0 4 and 3, and might as well get to it now. LA Galaxy, 13 points off of 13 games played. 13 points off of 16 games played, they're in 13th on games played, or I guess technically points per game over the Rapids. They have a record of 3, 9, and 4. They have a goal difference, like the Rapids, of negative 13, and on the road this season they are 1, 5, and 3. Mark, we will start with the Vancouver Whitecaps, who were off this weekend, just like the Colorado Rapids were, so they'll be, in theory, on some... Uh, fresh legs and maybe a few of the guys sunburned from going to some nice warm places in the middle of the summer in the international break that they had I look at their roster mark and their balance, but still kind of enigmatic and inconsistent in a very white capsy kind of way. Uh, Takaoka is their, uh, goalkeeper in goal. Um, coming over from Asia, what last season, two seasons ago now, and he stopped that penalty against, uh, Diego Rubio back when these two teams played at BC place. Sebastian Burhalter is settling in at midfielder. Now that he's not at a club whose front office includes, uh, Claudio Reina, uh, Sergio Cordova is their big, uh, DP signing out of FC Augsburg, if I'm not mistaken. Mark, I'd be curious to know if you anything know anything about him and if he scored against Mainz recently. Uh, Brian White, obviously, is their starter up top. And then their two main players in terms of uh, stirring the drink would be Ryan Gold, the Scottish international who's been captain for them. And then also Julian Bressel, who will remember for the most part being a wing back or an outside back and a winger, who's kind of moved into the, the wide most of a three or a four man midfield, depending on the various tinkerings that are going on that week by one. Uh, Vanni Sartini, Mark. What do we see in the Vancouver Whitecaps? Obviously, it's only been what about a month, month and change since the Rapids uh played them. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, Rabbi, this is the last prior to the draw at home against the San Jose Earthquakes. This was the last positive result for the Rapids with that draw they had on the road in league play, nil nil. Um, but uh, Mark, what do we see in Vancouver? And you know how difficult could this game on Wednesday be?
0: It'll be difficult. They're all difficult from here. There's no easy sledding. Um, you know. You said it really well. Uh, Ryan Gauld is uh, trouble on the left side uh, as an attacking wing. Um, Reminds me a little bit of uh, Johnny Russell in some ways. Aggressive, um, you know, kind of goes in on those 50-50s really hard, um, but also has really nice finishing ability. Um, You know, uh, Julian Gressel is probably their steadiest influence. It feels like a lot of the attack kind of comes off of his foot. But most of all, you know, the most important thing for this team is that um, uh, they are capable and they have more momentum coming into this game than the Colorado Rapids do. Um, Colorado has everything on them to kind of turn this around and figure things out, whereas Vancouver is kind of coming in probably more relaxed. Uh, Everything from here on out is a show me situation for the Rapids. They really need to demonstrate to opposing teams that they can control things. Vancouver are unbeaten in four games. In fact, um, if you want to watch a bonkers result, go look at their 6-2 win against Houston. It is bonkers. There are just so many crazy goals. Um, I'm looking up the stats right now just to double check that I'm right about this, but um, they produced six goals on, no joke, Matt, 1.86 expected goals. Just everything flew in they were just taking shots and they were going in from from everywhere uh and everywhere and which way in between it was a crazy game also because uh Houston also produced a lot of shots really good shots in that game that didn't go in and so you know on paper the result was like 1.8 to 1.7 expected goals but it was 6 to 2 and it was it was just bonkers and i think the interesting thing about that is um there hasn't been a single game the Colorado Rapids have produced a season where they had something like, you know, a two-game, two goals, and two expected goals uh, result where they exceeded expectation, right? Like, they've never blown the roof off the sucker, tear the roof off the mother sucker, tear the roof off the sucker, he says, quoting Parliament Funkadelic, having gone to the African American History Museum. And that is just really ridiculous. It is just, they're just capable of going nuts. And, Gauld is capable of it, and White is capable of it, and Gressel is capable of it, um, and they're they have it, and I just don't think the Rapids have that deep down in them. And so that's I think the thing to worry about. Um, they're also because of what I just mentioned, they're rounding in form in a way that Colorado is has not. Uh, they're they're they've got momentum, they have talent, they have scoring. Um, Colorado has none of those things. The only thing Colorado has going for it is desperation, uh, and the momentum of being at home. And I think those two can't be discounted. So I am I think this will probably end up a draw. I actually think that a 1-1 uh, or a 2-2 draw is possible for Colorado. 2-2 seems like a stretch, though, because this is not a team that seems to produce a lot of goals. Matt, what are your thoughts on this? this matchup? What are your thoughts on Vancouver?
1: Yeah, it's uh, this is a weird one to predict, Mark, because you're talking about you know a 10 day break coming out for a team that had just had so much fixture congestion with all the Open Cup games and the midweek MLS games, and then they have a full week to prepare for Orlando. And you figure, okay, finally, you know, uh, have a full proper week of training and everything. Everybody gets their heads right, uh, everybody gets their body right. They go out, they get two red cards, they lose two 0 and then how do you then come off of that having everybody go home? Given you know they had um you know they had a number of days off days off. As well, Vancouver similarly had fixture congestion between MLS league play. They were in Champions League earlier in the season, and then obviously just wrapped up the Amway Canadian Championship, whatever the Canadian Cup competition is now <laughs> that I can't remember what it is anymore. But their last probably still Amway. But their their last game, Mark, just like the uh, just like the Colorado Rapids took place on Saturday, June 10th, the Rapids were at Orlando, and they hosted FC Cincinnati, top of the table, top of the Supporters' Shield standing, and they held their own in terms of, if I just look at the overall metrics and passing and XG and everything, you know, uh, Cincinnati were slightly the protagonists in that game. But to your point, Rabbi, I think this game is a draw. We've seen Danny Sartini be, I think, fairly atypical. For a Vibes head coach where it's the we really try and go for it and try and play our way when we are at home. And for road games, we're a little bit more conservative and we're happy to put numbers behind the ball, make it difficult on the opponent and get out there with a nil-nil draw or a 1-1 draw or something like that. And I think that's what we'll see in this one. But – to my point earlier, Rabbi, where this is just hard to gauge of where both of these two teams going to be at in terms of a fitness standpoint, in terms of a focus standpoint, given the time that they ha- had off, are they going to be refocused? What does that look like? It's midweek game, the you know MLS after dark, particularly on school nights, albeit with school being out now for the summer. You know, are can always be chaotic and unpredictable, and so that is the maybe the one hesitation I have on. This particular game, it should be pointed out, Rabbi, this should be the healthiest the Rapids have basically been since preseason. The availability report that you had prior to the game against Orlando had just four players been available. Moist Bombito was on a red card. He goes out, does not play in either of the games for Canada. I have to assume, listeners, that he'll be back in time to be available. for Selection and will have served his suspension um, for the Orlando game. So he'll be available for selection. And then Diego Rubio was still questionable with an upper body injury mark that I reported as an oblique injury, that he was only going to be out another couple of weeks. So I have to imagine if he's not back for this game, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't available for selection come Saturday against the LA Galaxy. And then the only other two holdouts, Rabbi, you had from the availability report all the way back to June 7th prior to the Orlando game were Jack Price, who already knows out for the season with the Achilles, and who else, Rabbi? No, Max, who is uh, officially listed as removed from team activities, who as far as who based on his social media is still in Brazil dealing with that whole kerfuffle and everything. So you're talking about, Mark, A, the first game ever of the season where the only players we have unavailable are the guy who's out for the season with the Achilles injury and the guy who, Mark, you and I said we believe could very well have played his last professional soccer game ever as he goes under investigation about potential jail time for max fixing and a uh, betting on sports scam that included stuff for his own team and for his own actions around the club as well. So um, Barrios back healthy, Galvan, Priso, Abroad, all back from their respective injuries. Yappy, obviously back from international duty, Bambito back from international duty. And the only thing we're waiting on is uh, Diego Rubio's abs. And hopefully he'll be bringing a proper dark beer, six pack for the Vancouver Whitecaps on (laughs) Wednesday. So, all of that are the only real uncertainties I have, Mark. But to your point of the way Vancouver plays, the fact that they're a better team and everything, and even if Rubio does get back, this will be his first game back. It's not like he's going to be back ninety minutes fit, strength at altitude, having all of his scoring, uh, touching everything, you know, at a game sharpness and game speed level. Give me a one-one draw on this one, and I think the performance will reflect that. And I think in in the macro of who the Vancouver Whitecaps are, this would be a result that would be acceptable. Were the rapids not in their current predicament. Anything else that we want to say about the White cats Rabbi, or shall we move on?
0: They're good. And we should talk about uh, becoming a Highliner. So um, is that all right with you, Matt? Go for it, he says. He gestures with his left hand like a man showing a woman the door uh, as they're being very gentlemanly and, and showing a. A degree of chivalry we don't see in the 21st century. Rabbi, get to the ad read and talk about
1: the beer mug, please. How
0: dare you, sir? (laughs) Uh, How dare you? Um, Listeners, uh, if you have not already become a Highliner, which is our exclusive club for folks who uh, drop in $5 a month or $42 for a year to help support the important work we do, in writing about and covering for our podcast, these here, Colorado Rapids, if you weren't already encouraged to support our work, because you love what we do, you listen every week and you really like uh, supporting the, the work we do and the gas money we have to pay to drive out to training um, and all the other things like uh, our phone bill that we have to pay so that we can listen to interviews that we've done with Diego Rubio. Um, there is a, benefits there is swag ladies and gentlemen uh, our friend dwayne brown did an amazing job creating a new logo for holding the highline um it is gorgeous you will want to see it and the best way you can see it is by getting it on a beer pint glass that we are mailing out to all of our supporting highliners so if you are on the paid level of supporting this here podcast as a subscriber um and our Substack, you will get a beer glass if you'd like to help us put a little money in the in the kitty in the tip jar um after you become a highliner, you can chip in additionally to pay for shipping but not necessary at all if you become a 42 two dollar a year highliner, we will mail you a pint glass if you'd like to get a second pint glass there's a way to do that we'll let you know if you send us an email but anyways this is a great pint glass the um The glass uh, is uh, gorgeous. The logo is in two colors. On the back side, uh, it comes with a hashtag, cheers to the sixes. Matt's uh, brilliant idea for um, our uh, motto for the season because we love our defensive midfielders um, and L'Chaim to the sixes. So, um, folks, that deal will be going on for the next couple months. Um, but act now because when the pint glasses are over, we ain't got none to give left. And so uh, you could become a Highliner down the road, but you won't be getting any beer muggage out of this. So um, folks, really great opportunity. Take advantage of it while you still can.
1: Uh, Mark, have we decided for people who just want a beer mug but who don't want to become a Highliner, are we making this available like for general sale to the public? And if so, how much?
0: Right now... The deal is for forty-two dollars. You, you, you. Be, for the year, you become a highliner and you get our beer mug. And that—that that is actually, considering the cost of everything, a pretty good deal. Um, if we uh, have anything left in stock in about a month, so let's say four episodes from now, Matt, um, we'll come up with a number for that. But for right now, exclusive to highliners only, baby.
1: All right. Very good to see there. Uh, and listeners, you can get in touch with us if you have any issues with signing up on the substack or have other questions or uh, want to eventually give us your shipping information. Uh, you can email us at rapidscience6podcast at gmail.com. Our DMs are open on Twitter for me individually and for the podcast and I assume for Rabbi as well. So feel free to get in touch if you want to know more and pictures to come online eventually. So for those of you who are on the fence about it, you'll be you'll get to see what you're potentially paying for buying before you have to make that decision, certainly. Um, anything else on that, or shall we move on,
0: Rabbi? Onward to the game against the Galaxy, a.k.a.
1: the Wooden Spoon Darby. Uh, yes, I mean, effectively, Mark. Uh, the, we'll have the Galaxy, will they have, Will they have a midweek game this week, or will they be on full rest as well? They are playing at home to Sporting Kansas City, who have figured it out, but who are also still struggling with their own issues as well. Rabbi, down there uh, below the playoff line. In the MLS Western Conference, uh, Mark, the one big change we have from the previous game uh, against the LA Galaxy, not including all the front office kerfuffle stuff, which has ultimately led to Chris Klein leaving the organization, is that Chicharito Hernandez tore his ACL in an Open Cup game against Real Salt Lake. And so he is out for the season. So I have to assume it is Dejan Jovelik time up top as well. But other than that, Mark, uh, Jalen Neal has, I think, fully cemented that he is the starter going forward for them uh, at center back next to uh, Um You also have uh, Jonathan Klinsman played in their last game, which would have been their Open Cup match on uh, June 7th, so I'm not sure. Jonathan Bond was on the bench, so I have to assume Bond is coming back from injury and should be available for selection for this game as well. They've blooded in the two um, uh, foreign fullbacks who they signed before the window closed, so uh, Caligari and Aude are the two of those. I can't remember if those two were uh, fully integrated in and familiar with their surroundings for this reverse fixture back at the Dignity when- Diggity when the Rapids won 3-1. Ricky Pooge is in the middle. Mark and he's still really, really good on the ball, but also really easy to foul and get frustrated. Marky Delgado and Gaston Brugman are also in the middle. And Tyler Boyd is kind of settled in nicely as kind of an under-the-radar selection for them. But uh, Mark, this is not a good Galaxy team. This is a uh, Galaxy team that has struggled particularly on the road as well. Um, and just like the Rapids, I think there's an interesting question about what availability is going to look like. And maybe that Wednesday game they have against Sporting Kansas City will show um, if there are any fresher or any more fit coming out of this long break. Douglas Costa has been on the bench more recently to the extent that that old man DP who's not worth the money – Uh, Has been a problem there, but Mark, this is a team that is better and has better vibes when they have Chicharito Hernandez. At the same time, uh, Rapids fans, LA Galaxy fans have been clamoring for Dejan Jovalik to get an opportunity and saying that he's better than the minutes that he has been getting. And maybe this is an opportunity that he seizes to try and elevate a club that is in desperate need of some competency. I don't have
0: much to say about the Galaxy. You're the expert here, Matt. Um, they're terrible, and the Rapids are terrible, and they just they don't put things together. you know what I mean? Like, neither team connects well. They're, it, at this level, at the highest level, I feel like I've said this in past seasons, the players are all very good. They're all very talented. Um, the effort is there from week to week. It's not like these guys are just blowing things off. Completely. But there's just always something missing with both of these teams right now where the passes aren't crisp, the thoughts not there, the players don't feel connected. It feels like two guys are moving towards the final third or towards the goal, while two other guys are going in the wrong direction or are not aware of what their assignment is at that given moment. And that is, I think, where the problem is with both of these teams. So for both squads, it really it comes down to like being sharp and coming up with a game where they feel like they're going to be more sharp. Um, there's been no evidence that the Colorado Rapids have been sharp recently. So it feels like even in this case, the Galaxy have the upper hand here. Um, the Galaxy are also ahead on wins and they have two games in hand over the Rapids. Uh, Galaxy have three wins. The Rapids have two. So it feels like a draw. Um, like a nil-nil draw kind of game, especially with the Rapids lacking the fire, the Rapids, um, the Galaxy lacking the firepower of Chicharito, although Chicharito has been not particularly effective this season anyways, in in my estimation. Matt, tell me if that's wrong.
1: Uh, no, I think that's a fair criticism of him, Rabbi. Um, I, I should, I owe a culpa, Mark. The LA Galaxy did play the day after the Rapids game, so their most recent game was not that open cut match where Chicharito went down. They played at St. Louis on that Sunday and got a 1 1 draw, and it was who was the goal scorer? Uh, Daniel Aguirre was the uh, scorer for who the LA I've never Galaxy. Heard of Yes. And so I'll I'll read out the lineup, Mark, because that'll show you. I think that'll be a better representation than what I said about the Open Cup squad. So it was Jonathan Vaughn back in goal. The back four was Aude, Jalen Neal, Caceres, and Caligari. Uh, from left to right in midfield, you had Tyler Boyd and Douglas Costa at the left and right, Brugman and Delgado in double pivot, Ricky Booch at the number 10, and the Dejan Jovolik up top as well. I have to imagine, unless there's any injuries in that game against Sporting Kansas City, Rabbi, that will be the most likely starting 11 that you have. Certainly eight of, certainly nine of those 11 probably starting both games this coming week, so kind of similar to the Vancouver game mark i'm i'm curious uh you know did this break do them any good were there players who really needed a mental break away from the stadium and away from training and all their teammates they're going to come back with fresh eyes and fresh legs and fresh uh mental health states as well i think is a good question and then we also have to remember this would have been um competitively they've only played I think two three games since the departure of chris Klein and then how much of that was kind of a, a dark storm cloud hanging over the club that now has been relieved and then maybe they can focus on other stuff there were plenty of times rabbi where greg Vanny got super punchy during media availability with those types of questions and understandably on some level given that that's not, given that on one level Chris Klein is his boss and he doesn't have any control over that and he's trying to win games and this is outside that purview, but when that's a cloud that's hanging over, you know, literally the stadium and there's a supporters boycott and it's the only thing anybody's talking about, you have to imagine that is seeping into the consciousness for so many of those players and does Chris Klein being removed from that situation and in theory supporters coming back for that uh, game on Wednesday as well, does that put them in a different mood? Does that make them feel differently or was there so much existing pressure going on given I'm a player for the LA Galaxy and that all that pressure has to either come from within or come from the organization rather than the noise that comes out from the ancillary parts that support the club, given the significance of the club? I think it's an interesting question. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they do against Sporting Kansas City. That'll be another good barometer for them as they try to elevate themselves out of this, you know, bottom uh here in the in you know in Dante's Inferno that is the MLS Western Conference um or if they don't get a result and then the Rapids don't get a result you know how are both clubs looking at this and is this as much a six-pointer in terms of trying to save your season as much as a well if we lose this where people are probably going to be picking us to win the wooden spoon and that creates a different environment and a different pressure around the club um I have to imagine, Mark, Ricky Pooge is in a better place fitness and sharpness wise than Diego Rubio coming out, given that he was healthy before the international break. Um, and we'll see what Dejan Jovela can do as well, given he kind of had that tough game against, uh, against St. Louis um, after Chicharito went down. I don't. Um, I'm struggling, Mark, if I think this is finally the opportunity that the Rapids have to actually win. Knowing that we still have availability reports to come for both teams before we even get there, and then obviously another game that we're that's going to be played that's going to color the availability and maybe the emotions and the expectations going into the uh, going into this game. But Rabbi, I predicted that the I predicted last podcast that uh, if the Rapids did not get four points this week, that I would predict for them to win the win spoon in. 2023, and I have to imagine Diego Rubio coming back in fit for both of these games will elevate the club in some capacity. So, I'm going to say it, Mark, they will not deserve it on performance. This should be a draw on everything. Uh, the Rapids get an absolute garbage goal off of a mistake at the back on a corner by the LA Galaxy to win this game 1-0, and the Rapids get four points from two home games this week.
0: Uh, I say we're going to get one point. Uh, I said the Vancouver game would be a draw. Uh, Galaxy are going to win this one Brugman's very talented. Uh, Pooj is impossible to pronounce, but very good. Um, and Jovelich is is has been um, fun to watch in in spurts, and he can really kind of manhandle the back line when he wants to. Um, you know, the only questions I have about the Galaxy are this: their back line, which is Jalen Neal, is nineteen years old and is stepping in for Sega Kula who is pretty good. Uh, still still a pretty fit, dude. And this guy Casillas, who I uh just don't really have much faith in. So, um, feels to me like the the Galaxy though have the horses to win a match, whereas the Rapids are still trying to figure out how to play soccer like it's week one, which blows my mind. But um, you know, for me to predict doom and gloom right now for the Colorado Rapids is basically just playing the odds. Um I'm rooting for the team. I'm hoping they pull out of this nosedive they're in, but there's no evidence that it's gonna happen.
1: Rabbi, give me a score and give me goal scorers for Saturday.
0: Uh, I think it's going to be two two nil to the Galaxy. Uh, Yevulich and Pooj with the goals, which is like the easiest predictions in the world. Although I don't know, maybe like you know, you get a you get a banger from from Brugman because I find him really fun to watch um, as kind of a a second a second uh, late arriving player. Just like Cole Bassett in the old days, like two years ago, where he would kind of show up, you know, on a rebound out of nowhere and bang it in. Brugman's done that at least once or twice this year.
1: He's fun to watch. So could be that way. Uh, Rabbi, one point from two home games against an average team and a below average team in MLS is wooden spoon winning stuff. Off of this, are you ready to make any at least preliminary prediction on? Okay, Mark, if you think that the Rapids are only getting one point, are they from this week? Are they on track to win the wooden spoon in 2023?
0: They are, but I don't think they're going to win it. I think win it is air quotes around that, right? I do think that somebody will go into it. The Rapids have the pieces to kind of pull together a win every four or five games. And and they have proven that they know how to draw. Um, Some other team will absolutely crater uh, at some point this season. Um, There will be somebody in uh, Major League Soccer who will suddenly... The wheels will come off their bus, either through injury or through something else. Sporting Kansas City, who haven't proven that last year was a fluke, they've got Alan Polito back and healthy. They've got Gotti Kinda back and healthy, and they're still in 10th place in the Western Conference. Um, Looks like a possibility. And then on the other side of things, Toronto have proven that they are absolutely a total and other complete disaster. They've got Bernadeschi and Insigne, um, hating on each other openly enough that the athletic is writing about it. So those two teams feel like the uh, Toronto feels like a team that could plummet to the bottom, and it only they're only six points uh, clear of where the Rapids are. And lastly, Chicago has been completely aimless all season, um, sputtering around and getting a, a point here and there. So um, those are, I think, all teams that you know. And the other thing about Chicago is they're very familiar with the wooden spoon. <laughs> They're building an entire set of, uh, of silverware. Um, I wonder if you win enough wooden spoons, will they make you like a matching set, like a wooden knife and a wooden fork, just so you can have a, a full-on wooden 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 set of cutlery? Um, this is a question we should ask to uh, the, the, the purveyors of the spoon.
1: Maybe this is, maybe it should be like Champions League, Rabbi, where if you win Champions League three years in a row, or you win five, then you get to keep that iteration of the trophy, I think so. I know Ajax did that because um, uh, that that was a big sticking point in uh, that was that was a big plus for Johann Krauf in the old days of the argument between him and uh, and not Diego Costa and. Um, Diego Maradona and Pele is that he had is that his Ajax team were the first to win the first and actually get to keep the trophy, not get a uh, not just get a replica of old big ears. But uh, that's a good question, Mark. Uh, you know, three wooden spoons in a row or five wooden spoons overall. I I think you should get a proper like metal spork that your supporters then get to use at the tailgate and then wield over saying, you know, at least we've won this, or maybe just destroy it in like a ritualistic sacrifice and then recycle that metal into something more productive. Listeners you, listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at Soccer underscore Rabbi, at LWS Matt Pollard, and at Rapids 9 Podcast. Check out all of our collective soccering thoughts on all of the things at Pittsburgh Soccer Now, lastwordonsports.com backslash soccer, holdingthehighline.substack.com, and burgundywave.com. Send us your questions via email like Matt Cle- Matthew Cleveland did for the pod last week that Brendan and I had so much fun with. Or you can tweet at us using the hashtag #askhdhl Rate, review, share, subscribe, unsubscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on pretty much every single podcatcher that you could want us to be on. It's been a while since we've gotten requests to be on a podcatcher that we weren't on. So get in touch if we're on your second favorite app and would like us to be on your preferred podcast app. With that, listeners, we'll see you next week. Oh,
0: by the way, Chicago Fire, back-to-back spoons in 2015 and 2016. So they could make a third, but you could make Peace!